For important disclosure information, please visit acgwealthmanagement.com forward slash podcast disclosure. Hello, and welcome to ACG Wealth Management's October Investor Insights video. I'm Bobby Moyer, and I'm joined with my colleague, Sandy Wiggins. Good to be here, Bobby. So, Sandy, here we are starting off October. So, we got the end of September. We'll definitely touch on what's gone on in the month, but it also represents the end of the third quarter. So, we'll hit on some of those returns, too, as we walk through our, our video. So, with that, let's jump into it. Sounds good. Well, Sandy, September lived up to the hype of being a challenging month. The S&P 500 posted its worst month of the year, losing 4.77%. It is also the second consecutive negative month for the benchmark index. For the quarter, the index was also negative, losing 3.27%. It does remain positive by about 13% year-to-date. Smaller U.S. companies performed worse than large-cap companies. The S&P mid-cap 400 lost 5.26% in September and 4.2% for the quarter, while the S&P small-cap 600 lost 6% in September and 4.9% for the quarter. The Nasdaq lost 5.7% in September and 3.9% for the quarter. Speaking broadly, international stocks outperformed U.S. stocks in September, but not for the quarter. The MSCI IFA lost 3.37% in September and 4% for the quarter, while the MSCI Emerging Market Index lost 2.57% in September and 2.79% for the quarter. From a sector standpoint, only one sector was positive in September, which was the energy sector, which returned 2.6%. Real estate and technology were the worst performers in September. Real estate lost 7.25%, while technology was down 6.87%. For the quarter, there were only two positive sectors, energy up 12%, and communication services up 3%. The laggards were utilities losing 9.25%, and real estate losing 8.9%. Communication services continue to be the stalwart year-to-date, returning 40%, and technology not far behind, up 34.7%, while utilities, real estate, consumer staples, healthcare, and financials are all negative year-to-date. The S&P 500 Equal Weight Index is now only positive 1.65% year-to-date, and that's compared to the S&P 500 up 13%, as said earlier. Sandy, why don't you tell us about the bonds in September? Bobby, the results for the bonds were not much better. The Bloomberg U.S. Aggregate Bond Index lost 2.54% in September, its worst monthly return since February. The index lost 3.23% for the quarter, its worst quarterly return since the third quarter of 2022. The drop in bond price was driven by a significant increase in bond yields. When bond yields go up, bond prices fall. The 10-year interest rate moved from 4.09% to 4.57% during the month of September. The 10-year yield is at levels not seen since 2007. The long end of the yield curve moved much more than the short end of the yield curve. Well, Sandy, as we went through those numbers, it wasn't really a good quarter um, or a good month for stocks or bonds. That really feels kind of reminiscent of 2022, where you saw both stocks and bonds go down and Normally, they go in opposite directions or money flows to one. If I don't like stocks, I'm going to go buy bonds or I don't like bonds, I'm going to go buy stocks. But during September, it felt a lot like, you know, 2022 again, where everything where stocks and bonds went down, energy was was positive. So that was, you know, maybe a little concerning. And I think we're going to spend probably a little bit more time on this topic because interest rates going up was a big indicator, a big driver of, I think, the market, you know, market commentators, uh, you know, everything through the month of September that you saw the 10-year go up almost 50 basis points, the 30-year 
interest uh, interest rate go up 50 basis points, all we're talking about a one month period of time. And I think the market is finally realizing that the Fed is going to be higher for longer. And we've been talking about this, you know, all year, really, that, you know, they were the market was forecasting rate cuts at the end of this year. And that got pushed off now till the end of next year. And I think now, finally, you start to price in these higher rates. They're going to be around a lot longer, whether the Fed goes again in November or not. I don't know. My vote's on no, but I've been wrong on that. Uh, but it, it, they do feel like they're pricing in these longer term rates and, and the longer term part of the curve, you know, that, that went up a lot more over the last month and the shorter end, obviously, which is controlled by the Fed. So, you know, maybe we'll get in, hit on a couple topics at what finally, you know, drove that narrative of higher rates, higher long term rates during September. Yeah, a lot of it has to do with labor. Labor's still tight. Um, and you've got oil, which is continuing to be a, uh, an issue that's impacting inflation. You know, OPEC likes oil around the 80. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they want it higher, but they don't want it too high that it impedes our economic growth or changes consumer spending patterns. So, you know, those are our two primary influences on what's going on. And Obviously, the, the downgrade that occurred in, in, uh, on August 1st, you know, the market was at, I don't know about all-time highs, but it certainly was, was, it was up there. Yeah, Phil, so let's stop there, Sandy. So what do you think? Do you think, you know, you had July 31st was the market hit the high of the year. You had, you know, treasuries were down in the 4% range, right around 4%. And then August 1 comes and was at Fitch downgraded the, the U.S. debt. And since that point in time, you know, I was saying it wasn't a big deal. Maybe it was a coincidence that from that point in time where we got the downgrade, interest rates have gone up and, and not parabolic, but they've been a steady rise up and, and the market has fallen since that point in time. Like I said, that was the high point of the year on July 31st. You know, was it was it coincidental? Was it was it influenced? I think it is we, we talk about regularly the end of the month, the end of the quarter, whether there's anything real or not, there's a change in psychology. It's a new month, a new quarter uh, perspective change. So give it a, a reason to, to change direction in the market sometimes does that. So I think it really probably is a combination of um, a, a recognition that it is going to, rates are gonna be higher for longer mm -hmm. and couple that with the nice run that we had through summer. It makes sense to me that the market pulled back a little bit, but take it one step further. Now we're in September September wasn't a great month for stocks or bonds. October, we'll have to see what that shakes out to look like. Yeah, the other thing that, you know, how much is driving interest rates is the, the, the deficit, right? The U.S. deficit hit $33 trillion, a milestone, and I believe it was $1.5 was added in the last year alone. And, you know, people don't care about deficits until they do, but at, at some point in time, you know, you have to pay it back and it's fine as long as revenues continue to grow and you can service it. But if you don't rein in spending at all, or if you get a recession and revenues come down and your spending is still up, or if the government has to cut their spending, right? They, they've been spending all this stimulus and all these other things over the last several years. That's been helping going back into the economy, maybe not efficiently, but those things are, will eventually add up. And now with interest rates where they are today. Payback is much higher. Right, so it, does that even now get even bigger? If we do get a recession, don't know, revenues come down and interest expense goes up, and now you have to re, you know, reissue more and more debt at these higher rates, it gets harder and harder, and that, that begins to balloon. So I don't know if that had an impact on it, right? But higher interest rates, you start to get worried about these deficits longer term, and that could push rates up higher too. You want to 
ask investors aren't gonna aren't gonna give you money at three four percent now it's gonna be five six percent because they think man are you are you gonna be able to pay this so I think there's a lot of you know a lot of reasons why we can look back over the last two months and say oh, okay this is why interest rates have gone up and it was probably you know the Japan yield curve controls right you know yields are more attractive maybe in other parts or worrying about the dollar you know at some point turning mm -hmm. weakening against you know the yen so you have a lot of these things that could influence you know interest rates here in the united states but i think that that clearly has been the major driver and how high can they go and that's i think the question as i look forward into october is at november december where are rates going from here are we gonna peak because i don't know if the market can you know, find a really solid ground until there's a little bit of confidence that that rates aren't going to keep going higher. And, and maybe what if we hit 5%? What will that do to the equity markets? Well, typically what would happen is, is, is if we get some softness, you talked about a potential recession. If we get some softness in the data, long-term rates should fall. Yeah. And if that is the case, then that in and of itself can, can start to you know, generate positive returns because the market, the equities are, are a leading indicator, not a lagging indicator. Yeah, the one topic we didn't hit on, on too much depth is just the labor markets, right? The unemployment rate still is pretty tight and we're keeping an eye on what does that look like? You know, we, we get another reading at the end of this week and we got the jolts coming out, um, that opportunity, to, you know, what does the job opportunities look like? But there's also been a number of strikes out there. Right now we're going on with UAW, this is prolonged and it's really impacting three major auto dealers here in the United States. You've got, you know, a healthcare, you know, group, the Kaiser group going, looking at 75,000 going on strike this week. You've had, you know, we talked about this in our podcast, I think over 35 different strikes this year alone of significance. So, you know, that's on one hand, people get paid more. You could say that's good for the economy, but that also pushes costs up, which is puts a, a fight inflation, on inflation, yeah, yeah. right? So, you know, that's a little bit of an issue as as you look forward from a, a labor standpoint and a cost standpoint, which is going to be interesting to keep an eye on. Is this going to continue that more and more, you know, labor stoppages are going to happen? That could be, you know, I guess a little bit, you know, could also be inflationary when you cut the supply chain. If you go on strike, you stop making cars and now there becomes a little bit of a scarcity prices go up again and now the Fed gets even more worried and they have to hike into until something breaks. Yeah, well, there's a lot a lot to, to, to process, a lot to keep an eye on, but ultimately that's why we think it's so important to build a portfolio that's right for you today, right for you tomorrow, takes some of the worry out of the equation, it focuses it on each individual's re uh, retirement or financial goals and that's really what should drive strategy not so much the day-to-day -day movements in the market yeah if you're young and you're putting money in on a, on a weekly or bi-weekly basis right now and, and you're seeing this volatility I, I think you should be happy right so if you're younger and, and you're in a 401k or saving on your own keep investing this is this is healthy for for you for building long-term wealth and if you're older hopefully you have, you're already yeah a conservative portfolio hedges somewhere in there you, you had a little bit of equity some some maybe some diversification and don't get too caught up in what your neighbor did and what their return was because you know who knows how long this goes on who knows if we have a recession but that's that's really what matters yep so i guess we'll close it out as we look at you know some of the things to look at into the fourth quarter um anything on your mind you know inflation and labor and we sound like a broken record so i'll leave it at that yeah the seasonality is, is interesting right fourth mm -hmm. quarter you mentioned that earlier can be you know a positive santa claus rally the santa claus rally you know could come so 
that'll be interesting that the fear and greed index you know you, you see that turning back sentiment is, is lowered a little bit which is good you know the cnn feeding feed uh fear and greed index is something that we're hitting lows that we haven't seen since march but i'm also keeping an eye on the the regional banks and the banking crisis that we saw earlier this year because if you go back and remember that's that was the whole thing right rates went up and that and the value of these held to maturity securities went down and now rates went up even more and we haven't heard a lot about the regional banks and that sort of thing but they've buckled down they've limited their lending so uh, keep an eye on that see if there's any more banks out there that are on shaky ground you know with these higher rates especially if, if rates continue to go higher but that's one more reason why everybody's watching rates right now, and that's kind of the driver of the market um, over the last couple of months. Yeah, we'll have to see what, what the next month holds. Yeah, sounds good. So with that, I think we move on. We'll close it out. We'll see you back here in November. For important disclosure information, please visit acgwealthmanagement.com forward slash podcast disclosure.